Last time on Base Funk. Not just corrode things by touching them, but it also has antenna that it can use to kind of corrode them from a small distance away. But also innately, because they sort of feed on metal, uh, rust monsters can smell metal and basically track it from 30 feet away. The spikes are the big thing that I liked about the manticore. Voltari is a slightly standoffish character, being able to just be like, Nope, no touching me right now. There are spikes in the way. Once per short rest, give her the ability to have intimidation, uh, have advantage on an intimidation check. Uh, Roland can just cast Gust at will, invoke the griffin into himself to the point where he sprouts wings and is able to have a fly speed of 30 feet for one minute. So what I chose for Perry Mason is that uh, he can shapeshift his shadow so I can use it to like trick people. Um, and he can also, like, detect heartbeats within, like, nearby range. Uh, it is a female fire giant, and she looks very angry. Ma'am, I don't know what your name is. What's your name? Lyra. Where'd your dog put the sheath? The dog might likely buried it somewhere before it came back to Ishmael. And then here's one for Sylvia Bell, Shadar Kai Witch. No! Lightning Bolt hits... <laughs> Sylvia like a freight train, and she goes flying. Guys, we got zombies! <laughs> Why? Why what? And then it vomits the bloody water onto your face <laughs> and in your eyes and mouth as you try to respond to it. So I think Zoe's gonna try to isolate uh, one of the parts that is discolored and she think belongs to the, the creature. You take a a bloody chunk of ice, and uh, you won't need to maintain that. We'll say anytime it gets a little melty, you can blast it. Cantrips are free. Claudia, get out of our hole! I want to cast Gust at Robin and essentially try to blast the sheath through him. You missed him. You make him become mist, and he is scattered. When I play music, it can definitely be used to seduce. Jealousy shard clone doppelganger. <laughs> Claire Elise with a hyphen. So it's Stella Rosa Magnificent with a hyphen. Claire Elise with a hyphen. And Zoe. Yes. Are the three Legrand sisters now. Oh yeah? Well, ten minutes ago, I just learned I'm great at playing the drums. I decide my proficiency now is in drums. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She does a spell that you guys have seen once before. Snaps her fingers very loudly, and suddenly, all of you are falling sideways. I hate to tell you this, you're invisible. Oh, I got a crit! <laughs> oh, you crit? You're the best Jim Jams. <laughs> you crit on your pajama roll. Yeah. Of course she crits on her pajama roll. Like, like, what else would she crit on? I'm a fashionista. I wiggle some stuff, so hopefully that did it. 
I mean, I'm always wiggling stuff during the recording. It's just unrelated to the audio quality. What? What? Uh, listen, we don't need to hear about your, you know, you're 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 jerking around with the rules here or anything like that. You know, as long as you mute the mic when you wiggle, you can do whatever you need to do. That's right? Okay. Aww. All right. So, did anybody have anything? Oh, yeah, I remembered. I almost forgot, but I remembered because I'm good at podcasting. Uh, Chris did a thing. Chris, tell everyone the thing you did. I took a dump after three days. <laughs> <laughs> Proud of you, Chris. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't think it was worth celebrating. People have said that's very unhealthy, but I'm pretty proud of it. So, oh, also, I set up a YouTube page for Dice Funk. That's right. Eh, not as impressive as the dump. Uh, to be fair, yes, the dump was very impressive. Yeah. So there is a new uh, YouTube page for Dice Funk. Uh, right now, it has all the episodes that we've done thus far from season three, Ilium. And I will be uploading the previous seasons as well so that they'll have their own playlists. And this will be one concise place to go to listen and get your audio enjoyment from Dice Funk from whatever point in time you want to listen to it. Um, I wish I could give you a clean and easy URL for it. However, there are conditions to YouTube where new accounts have to be active for a certain period of time before you can do one of those. Mm -hmm. So there isn't really a clean and easy URL that I can provide on air at the moment idealistically if you're listening to this far after the fact it would be youtube.com slash dice funk however who knows what will happen in that but as it is right now if you search for dice funk in youtube it should pop up the account's called dice funk uh sketch made a really cool uh, avatar and banner for it you can find it all up there so you have a one-stop shop now i'm gonna try to push for having some other videos some supplemental things on there to make the channel a bit more active but uh We'll burn that bridge while we're standing on it. I think for now we have a few other things to deal with. I was going to start up a new series about bridges uh, burning, like just like a informal podcast about burning bridges, like the best ways to do it, the best ways to like hide your crimes. I want to do an entire series that is just every creature in the monster manual. How pettable is it? Oh, that's so good. Mm. That would be a good segment to do. Yeah, that's a would you pet it? You know, we just call it that. Speaking of monsters, I was—I actually realized this, and I don't even know how I got there mentally, but we were talking about stand names for your guys' monsters, mm -hmm. and there was a lot of good suggestions last week. Thank you, Chris. But it occurred to me that the etymology of manticore, like th where that word comes from, I believe is Persian um, for man-eater. Oh, my God. A hollow-out song. <laughs> So, I've, I mean, Maneater is a phenomenal stand name by itself, but it's also almost basically means manticore. My my favorite one was the pointing out, I can't remember who mentioned it during the last week, that it's um a Mycomulco Romanticore. Yeah, I think I said that in Skype. I think that might have been you, yeah. That's pretty That's pretty good. Um, Someone suggested, I think, when I was talking about how I didn't get struck by lightning, that... Awesome to find a way for me to become Thunderstruck at some point later on, and someone suggested <laughs> that being a fine name for the Griffin. If only it actually had some thunder or lightning-related abilities, though. Also, ACDC was also a character in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, so that would just be ridiculous, Sketch. Just ridiculous. That would be just ridiculous. There's no reason for that. Also, I like how the forum is stepping up its pun game. <laughs> Brian Octopus Solutions uh, talked about his favorite Roland moments, one of them being... The cinnamon rolling hawk light moment of the week. I'm like, you asshole. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I believe the uh, ACDC reference was uh, Kerstin, uh in the forums. Also, shout out for everybody who's been like really 
uh, welcoming and supportive of our new cast member and uh, all the uh, art I've seen of Veltari. I actually have a folder open here where I keep it. Uh, we got Cosmignon, Aline, Joseph Stallion, and Savarden is the Veltari mm-hmm. art I have so far. So thank you to all those people. Yep, I ha- I have all of that art saved as well. I was super nervous about coming on to this because, you know, particularly when I came on at the same time as someone who'd been here a while was leaving, it's a nervous set of shoes to fill. So seeing fan art was super lovely. It's like, hooray, not everyone hates my presence. That's that's a good start. <laughs> um, Hey guys, do you want to play Dungeons & Dragons? My recording says we're at six minutes, which is a pretty alienating amount of time to not do the thing we said we were going to do. Well, it's, it's less than the amount of time we spent discussing stand names last week, so we're improving. Yeah, we're getting better, so. Oh yeah, last stand. <laughs> Sorry, this is going to be every week from now on. Uh, P- Perry Mason is a very good reference, uh, Lauren. It's also an Ozzy Osbourne song, and also... Is it really? Yeah. Also, Katy Perry. Yeah. That's good, too. <laughs> okay, you don't seem as enthused about that as I thought you would be. Not a fan? Mm. I mean, he's a Perryton. I know, but I don't know. I like Perry Mason a lot. I don't know why. It just, it fits him, I guess. It's very good. Also, Katy Perry's... Mm. <laughs> okay, hot... I have feelings. Hot takes on Katy Perry. Here you go. You weren't expecting it. We brought it. Fresh content. Here, here we are. That's why you gotta listen to the entire episode and not just the... Just skip to the nudity. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what some people do. The, the, the tease of nudity, indeed. Um, so I think we actually have an itinerary for today, for this episode, given what, that it's another sort of a downtime episode, right? A little bit, yeah. This is a more structured one. The way that it works uh, this season is you guys do a mission, and then there's a downtime thing. So I'll be asking each cast member what you do uh, on your days off between the plot stuff. Uh, but we actually unexpectedly ended last week on kind of a... a Clusterfuck is a strong word. It got rowdy. Uh, so I want to briefly cut to the aftermath of what happened last time when uh, Zoe kind of antagonized Claire Elise into trashing Tarsus. And so I think the way that scene ended was you guys all heard Lady Nim exclaim loudly. And then off screen, you kind of all got herded out of the bar. And um, I think somebody, probably Carrie, pushed all of your materials and belongings in your hands and tried to hurry you out the door before you all got caught in whatever was about to happen there. Any of you want to do anything as you were leaving? I mean, Roland is just sort of, you know, kind of has his not really apathetic, but kind of more of like, I'm kind of done with being here right now. Face going on as he sort of holds all the stuff from the mission that they got and just sort of walking out him critting that, like uh, that strength check last week means he's not as scuffled up in terms of his the items he was carrying. So Yeah, he's pretty spick and span. He's got the stuff that you guys got from the mission, which is in the abstract. You all have um, spell components, material components for if you want to cast a spell. Um, you have one set of that per spell that takes spell components. Zoe, you have your um, block of the bloody ice. <laughs> yes. I'm I'm not too fussed about doing to, uh, anything before we leave because you know Veltari left off on a pretty pretty good footing last week. It was uh, you know badass rock show catches a barmaid midair has a drink and walks out. That's you know what else do I need to do? That was <laughs> not a bad night. Uh, so you guys are probably going to head home. It's late now um, in this kind of artificial day night cycle that you all live under. 
Um, but as soon as you get home, uh, there's the sound of a thousand books falling over <laughs> as Winifred, the flump, rushes to the door like a dog who thought you were gone forever, his tentacles waving wildly as he says, Oh my god, I didn't know where I got that guy He's just tripping over himself. <laughs> Please do that again. I got a message from Bumbershoot and he said he was getting dragged to hell and then nobody said anything and I was waiting for a message. I didn't know if I was supposed to leave. <laughs> Can can you run that first part by us again? He just like floats into your face and then it just psych- psychically injects all of his thoughts into you because it's important that you understand what he's trying to say. And that is that he's been very worried about all of you and nobody checked in. Aww. Roland's going to like rest his hand on uh, Winnie and expend the remainder of his lay on hands, not necessarily to heal, but sort of as a comforting touch <laughs> on Winifred. <laughs> Try to calm him down. <laughs> the magical equivalent of you just started sticking band-aids on him. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's it's magic, so it's not quite the same. But uh, no, I lo- I love the role playing. I just like the idea. Like, how do you picture that mechanically? <laughs> it's very fun. We're aware of what happened to Bumbershoot to some extent, but we're going to continue to investigate what's happening there. I apologize for not contacting you sooner, but we were also in a rather odd time constraint regarding the assignment we were on. Don't worry me like that. I'll make sure to contact you more regularly, if anything, just to make sure that things are normal. Is there a particular time frame you want the contacts to happen? Hourly? <laughs> I'm going to give you guys a curfew. Also, who is your friend? Hi, I'm Veltari. Who are you? I'm Winifred. You, you, you seem all right? I am. I work here. Well, that that that's good. Um, I am here because Bumbershoot got dragged to hell, it seems, and uh, I was here to get Bumbershoot, so... <laughs> I like how everybody has just accepted that that's the metaphysical consequences of what happened to Bumbershoot. Well, if that's how Bumbershoot described it, I suppose that's, you know, that's the best shot we've got, is he got dragged to hell. Um, So, I I don't really know what I'm doing here. Um, I hear some of Bumbershoot's things are here. That's all I've really got to go on right now, if I'm if I'm honest with you, little buddy. Uh, aw, he likes being called little buddy. Are you gonna toss Bumbershoot's room tonight, or you guys want to sleep on this? I mean, it's not it's not like he's gonna be sleeping in it. Yeah. Um. I I suppose I I kind of want to go root around in it now, just because you know it's been it's been a long day. A lot's happened. I just want to get it out the way and not have to think about it. When I try and sleep. All right. So, I mean, you have Roland's permission. So if you just roll an investigation check. Right. I've got to get, grab the thing that lets me do do my checks. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll aid in the investigation just as, because Roland is at least curious as what's going on. Oh, 22 on Roland's part. Nine. <laughs> okay, so nine and a 22. Uh, the way I picture this is Veltari kind of just charges ahead and just starts knocking things over, just like ripping drawers out of the bureau and just being like, I don't see anything. Next one, it's just basically making a mess of the place. And Roland is following behind her, being a little bit more thorough <laughs> to look between the stuff she just knocked all over the place. I sort of like picture like a pile of junk following behind her and he just sort of picks up items, yeah. opens it, then puts it back where it belongs, and then goes to the next item. <laughs> you're you're kind of trying to undo the damage as she does it, but with a more careful eye. 
Um, a couple of things you find that are perhaps important to you. One is a bunch of unopened blood packets, the ones that Winifred requests, yeah, yeah for your guys' mission completions. Uh, all of basically untouched. You don't know how long he hangs onto them before like pitching them in a ditch somewhere, but he's <laughs> he's he's not been drinking them. Um, you also find um a bunch of grimoires and spell books and stuff. None for him he is not a spellcaster but just it seems like he likes reading about spooky things um and you also find some correspondence between him and count danto uh which may be of some use to peruse um can everybody in this room make me a dexterity saving throw oh since we technically have not leveled up yet it's still just a plus four to the bonus so uh 17 nine I probably failed this one. Yeah, so uh, there's a box of stuff. Veltaria looks through it, just throws it aside, and then Roland goes to pick it up and like tries to put the stuff back in, at which point he actually bumps inside the box. There's kind of a trap, like a hidden thing, mm-hmm. and it... um. It like springs and uh, some uh, and like a needle shoots out and pokes into you, and it was probably poisoned, but you're immune. <laughs> I'm immune to disease. Yeah, so it probably had like botulism or something on it. <laughs> Because it was trapped so that if anybody was trying to steal it, there would be dire consequences. But that was like this thing sticking off his neck. <laughs> yeah. Like looking like green and like the, the container looking like it's just full of disease and just horrible things. And Roll's just like shrugging it off almost while that needle's just sort of sticking out of his neck. Hey, Roland, you might want to be a bit more careful going through this room. You don't know what you could find in here. You don't want to barge your hair down thinkingly. I'll keep that in mind for the future. <laughs> also, given the fact that Bumbershoot was a vampire, it's more that I have several advantages against him. Even these defenses are probably not enough to keep me at bay. <laughs> have you found anything useful? Uh, there's some letters with Danto. I'll have a look over them at some point. But, you know, Danto sent me here to find Bumbershoot, so that's probably not going to be anything urgent. <sighs> I'm going to be honest, I doubt anything that Bumbershoot has in his room right now is going to help me get him back. And I was probably a little bit hasty to assume that rushing here would allow me to get him back anytime soon. Out of character, um, I still don't know who Danto is, correct? Correct. Yeah, I'm I'm still just referencing him, assuming maybe Bumbershoot's brought him up to you. Roland's going to just say... You keep on mentioning that name, Danto. I uh, have to admit that while Bumbershoot was quiet about things outside here, um, he never mentioned that name once. So it's a curious that someone would send someone specifically to go to Bumbershoot's aid. Okay, okay, that's that's. Uh, I suppose that's my bad. Um, yeah, how, how how do I put this simply? He's a vampire. Yeah, Danto. Danto sired Bumbershoot, and that's all you really need to know, I think. Um, Bumbershoot trusted him quite, quite explicitly. Danto very much wants Bumbershoot back. That's why I'm here. I hope that's enough context for you. Does that does that tell you what you need to know? Well, it doesn't explain necessarily why you specifically work for Danto, but I'm not going to pry in that right now. Oh, I, I don't mind telling you that. He gives me roof and board, and that's, you know, that's hard enough to come by when you're a tiefling. So, room and board, that was, that was, that's my deal. I have a good feeling as to why Bumbershoot got into trouble he did, Roland remarks while holding up one of the bags of blood. 
Ah, hmm. Okay, so are we to assume that he has been uh, getting a slightly more exciting snack for dinner? Well, he was doing explicitly the one thing that I alluded to, that if he did it, I would probably have just killed him outright. So, yes. <laughs> so if you look at it from that perspective, he kind of looked out. Well, yeah, exactly. He's, he's not explicitly dead right now. He's only in the depths of hell, so... <laughs> Which he's is not, it's not canon, listeners. Comparatively, it's not... <laughs> comparatively, he's doing all right. Roland will raise a hand and remark, Warden Light is many things, but he wouldn't be in a position to send someone to hell like that. More likely, he has him trapped in some capacity, which is a hell-like prison in its own right, but... Yeah, I'm, um, you know, I say hell, it's probably not actually hell, but it's probably as good as hell for Bumbershoot, so <laughs> it's, it's basically hell. He's trapped in a place where he can't drink blood and has to be stuck under the care of some watchful, overseeing angel fuck, so, you know, <laughs> it's not going to be a good time for him. Hardly so, yes. So, I had a small question for you, if you don't mind me asking. What do you want to know? Well, you say that you're a tiefling, and I've heard various stories about tieflings, which makes me wonder something. Mm -hmm. And at that point, Roland's going to invoke Divine Sense to gauge whether Voltari pings off as an actual fiend or not. Are you racially profiling your <laughs> your new friend? No, I'm not. Uh, no, this, this is not racial profiling. This is actually curiosity, because Roland's heard rumors about how tieflings come to be, some of them being, being just... People who have made, whose family has made deals with fiends in the past, and some that are basically like, well, the half-elves of fiends that are effectively a direct descendant of a fiend and a human or some other combination. The divine sense pings as like a weak fiendish signal. Well, at the very least, it does seem that there is fiendish blood running through you in some capacity, so. I, I probably could have told you that. I don't, you don't end up looking like this unless there's a fiend involved somewhere in your life. So based on what you said about Danto, finding, finding a place to stay tends to be a bit difficult for you from the sound of it due to, well, prejudices and the like. A lot, a lot of people aren't the biggest fans of tieflings. Um, you know, I don't know, I don't know why I'm telling you this, honestly. I, I, I'm going to be trapped here a while. I get that. I might as well be on good terms with you because... I don't want you doing that whole thing where you turn on me because I'm a tiefling, so I might as well just do this. Um, I spent a lot of my time performing on the street, and stable housing is a nice thing to find when the world treats you a bit differently for how you look. So that's my deal with Donto. Understandable. This makes me think that you and I have at least some more things in common than we'd expect. Really? You you get judged everywhere you go for the horns coming out of your face? I get judged in many places I am for the essence of my character and the authenticity of my beliefs. I think that's a little easier to hide than horns coming out of your head and purple skin, <laughs> but, you know, I'll... I will acknowledge that maybe you don't have it perfectly easy. I, I don't think you're on quite my level, but I'll, you know... I will accept that we might have some, some, some commonalities, maybe. 
I was alluding more to the fact that you're living off the street, which implies that, well, your family life was minimal at best when you were growing up. Uh, never knew my father. Mother was not a fan of the whole teetling thing. And I was abandoned by my parents at birth, so we got that going for us. Is this like one of those videos where the cheetah and the dog are, are like really nervous around each other, and then they like skips forward and they're like cuddling? I don't think we're quite cuddling yet, but uh, you know, okay, okay. Hmm. All I'm saying is I'm used to being raised in an environment where those that can't find a home are given a chance to have one, and while you're here, I'm pretty sure you can find some way to get housing, but at the very least. We have now an unoccupied room, and unless you're willing to barter away your most prized possessions to the lilies to leverage a house being built, this is probably the cheapest way for you to stay in town for the time being. You know, I've been a bit one-track mind since I arrived here, but you're not completely terrible. You know, your group's alright. I got a manticore of hanging around with you guys. I... why not? Why not? I'll, I'll stay with you guys a bit. It could be fun. You're not required to stay here any longer than you feel like you need to, but allies that are really trustworthy are hard to come by around here. Hence why I try to be as accommodating as possible to whoever is willing to listen. While I appreciate that, just understand that trust is a long-term thing to be gained. You know what happened to Bumbershoot? Bumbershoot trusted going into somewhere alone and... Didn't work out so well, so don't blame me if I keep you at a little distance, you know. Trust, it's a thing that gets people killed. It gets some people killed. There's other reasons why people get killed, but... It gets some people killed, and I don't intend for me to be one of them. In either case, I apologize that there's not much here that gives information as to how to get Bumbershoot out. All we really have here is what probably got Bumbershoot in. Well, if, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll stay in his room and I'm going to keep looking. Um, probably a little less gung-ho than I have been doing. And at least if I can work out how we got into this, hopefully I can... Maybe I can get him out. Maybe I can at least just do damage control on the arsehole who got him in here. Two things. One, if you do get Bumbershoot out, I probably shouldn't be anywhere near him after what he's done. And secondly... You might want to check his bed for traps, given how he set up this place. Just a hunch on my part. As you say that, you say, like, as the way he set up this place, you're, like, shaking the booby trap box, and something falls out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it hits the ground, and you both look at it, and it's a signet ring for a noble house of a country called Akamoros, which is uh, where Bumbershoot is, was from before he was a vampire. Can I do, like, a knowledge history on that just to... Yep, you sure can. 14. Yeah, that's pretty good. Akamoros is an island nation. It's a, it's a bit of a travel from here. Um, You don't know this, but uh, that is where Danto is now and where he is attempting to take over by corrupting organizations such as the Order of the Merciful Sword to be his, like, personal army. You've probably been by there, but it's not a place that has a particular importance to you. It's nothing that Bumbershoot has ever talked about. So it, it strikes you as weird that he would have the, a noble signet of a, a prominent house of a cool, a cool place. It's weird. It's a weird thing. Is Veltari aware of Danto ever bringing the place up? 
Yeah, that's where you had your last conversation. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. So he's like, he's in hiding there. He has a bunch of different, like, safe houses. He moves around. He's he's doing stuff right now. He's trying to take that place over. Like, Roland just mentions the name, you know, huh, Akimoros. Hmm. Do you mind, uh, do you mind leaving that, that there for me to have a look at? I don't see why not. Probably came from one of Bumbershoot's victims back before he came in here. Roland just sort of says dismissively and sets it gingerly on a desk, assuming, like, if he touches it wrong, like, a board will spring out with a nail and slam his hand. <laughs> Bumbershoot's room is just 13 dead-end drive, the board game. <laughs> um, so I assume uh, Veltari spends a little bit of time making it safe enough to sleep, and then she's probably going to head to bed as well as Roland. During that conversation, uh, Zoe, did you want to also, like, just go to bed, or did you want to talk to Winifred about the ice now? We can save that for when everybody's together. Yeah, uh, no, she uh, she has a uh, few things she's going to do. So one would be to going to Winifred and saying, uh, eh, hey, Winnie, do we have uh, jars anywhere? <laughs> Yeah, I got jam, I got preserves, I got... Uh, an empty jar. Oh, I, I I guess I could empty one. I don't want to waste the preserves, though. Are you hungry? How much of the preserves are left? <laughs> he, like, looks into his, uh, he has, like, a closet where he keeps all his jarred preserves that no one eats, <laughs> and he works really hard on it. <laughs> and no one ever has any. And he's like, they're all full. <laughs> Um, how, how big are they? <laughs> Chris, do you want to roll to eat an entire jar of preserves so you don't hurt Winifred's feelings? Uh, I, I, how, how big are they? Roll constitution, my dude. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Unless you're within 10 feet of me, you don't get that plus four bonus. You're all, you're in this one alone. Zoe, you against the jar. She rolled a 17. Nice. <laughs> it's a lot to eat in one sitting. And you have a tummy ache, but you do it. And he looks very happy. He's like, thank you. How was it? Uh, did it taste like mayonnaise? Nope, your mayonnaise is gone because you ate magic food. And it, that was the trigger to turn off the mayonnaise thing. Oh, thank God. I was so worried. She's like, it was like eating a jar of mayonnaise, which I can't imagine <laughs> anything sadder than that. No, that would have been disadvantaged. <laughs> uh, she's uh, she's like, it was pretty good. Uh, I don't know if I should have eaten so much at once, but it's for the good of the group. And she's gonna put the uh, the try try to put the 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 ooze shard into the jar and then close it up as tight as she can. Sure. So we haven't really talked about the technology level of this season so far. I think this might be an interesting time to do it because. Uh, if you're a long-time listener, you know that every season we move forward magically and technologically. So, like, in season one, it was basically just, like, dirt times and no one had, like, horses were the only thing that anyone had and, like, no one had magic. And then season two it was a little bit more advanced. Uh, more people had magic. People had invented airships. And this season, it's not really been a factor, but Veltari has an electric guitar, <laughs> right? So, actually, I think you guys probably have some kind of, like, techno-magical, like, freezer, it's not out of the question that you guys you could have a place where you could put that where it's no longer a concern. So I just ate an entire jar of fucking strawberry preserves <laughs> because they're without realizing there was just a freezer I could have thrown this thing in. Yes. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's, it's got a nice receptacle. 
I, I mean, I guess she did a favor for Winifred in the process. He's the happiest you've ever seen him. It's like in Zelda when you really need a jar and then you have to like waste like your fairy or some shit. I <laughs> <laughs> only had the half a heart missing. It was so wasteful. So yeah, then uh, she'll she'll put the uh, the ooh shard essentially into the jar and then try to like seal that up. And you guys can access it when you're ready to tackle that side quest? Question mark? <laughs> Looming death threat, essentially. Who knows? Yeah, we'll get there. She's then going to say, uh, hey, Winifred, I need to go somewhere real quick, but I'll be back tonight. I just uh, had to follow up on something. What, you're sneaking out of the house? <laughs> uh, no, because I'm telling you ahead of time. If I was sneaking out, I wouldn't have said anything. <laughs> this is most unorthodox. <laughs> Will it help if I say I'm going to bed? Wink, wink. <laughs> no, I don't want to be complicit in that lie. Just go. <laughs> All right. Bye, Winifred. Uh, bye. Tell everyone you liked my preserves. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to get like a side hustle going. How come Theodora is the only one that's allowed to make stuff around here? Dora would totally combine their businesses if he would say something, I'm just saying. <laughs> he's probably mentioned it like a dozen times and you've just he's just always been also doing something else and you've just not noticed. It's every time we contact him at the very end, he's like, Alright, got it, I'll look into it. By the way, I have those pineapple. <laughs> like, no <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, basically. Alright, so do you want to do your scene right now? It depends on if you think it'll be long or not. She's gonna be going to Alice to let her know about uh Bumbershoot. Two things. One, you're invisible. You've been invisible this whole time. I don't oh, know right. I forgot that she went invisible. <laughs> Everyone's just totally rolling with it because you're just a t- constant tornado of weird stuff. <laughs> Everyone's just accepted it. Um, so, yeah, if you want to go talk to Alice, well, you're not allowed on the premises. Here's the way this, this shakes out. You approach the Hawthorne house property. It's patrolled by skeletons, not just like in a formation defense outside, but like they're actively scouring the grounds now. Uh, It's basically on a high alert. Alice is done fucking around. So unless you want to roll stealth to try to sneak past them, uh, they're going to hear you walking and then they're going to come towards you. So you can. You can just be like, hey, skeletons, I'm invisible, but here I am. I just want to like and try to like talk to them or you can sneak it. Uh, I think she'll do the former. I I think she'll try to catch one of their attention. Be like, hey, uh, Alice asked me to do something. I'm just coming back to let her know what happened. All right. So you make your presence known and a couple skeletons run over with their bone spears and they try to find where you are, basically. And then when they have ascertained that there is a small child in the yard, uh, one of them holds out a hand as if you've seen this gesture before. It was when they asked for invitations. Or she will hand the the skeleton the cloak that Alice gave her? She doesn't really know what else to put in his hand. It takes that, and it looks at it, and it doesn't really know what to do with it. But it's holding that, and then the other one also holds out a hand, and then makes, like, with the other hand, a kind of writing motion. Oh. Uh, do I I have paper on me, do you think? Winifred is the paper baron. There's free paper anytime anybody needs it. Okay. Uh, She'll write uh, the note, then, to Alice that says... I tried to get Bumbershoot, but Warden Lights imprisoned him. I don't know exactly what happened, but it doesn't seem that we'll be able to get to him. It sounds very serious. Okay, so the skeletons take your note and your coat, that rhymed accidentally, uh, back inside, and there's a long wait 
for any kind of response. And uh, you stand there just kind of awkwardly invisible in this yard. <laughs> and then you hear, and you've never heard this before, so you don't even know how you recognize it, but you hear what is unmistakably the sound of a distant dragon roar. Uh-oh. <laughs> and the house itself seems to shudder. And you see light inside the house from the windows, and then it goes out. Like, all the lights are out, period, or it just goes back to normal? All the, like, the inside of Hawthorne House flared with light, and then went out. Okay. Uh, are there still, like, skeletons, like, essentially, like, staying in front of her gardener? There's, yeah, there's skeletons all over this yard. Like, two dozen. Are they actively, like, trying to stop her, or would it be something where... Like, is there one staying in front of her to make sure she doesn't just try to go inside, or... Unless you want to roll stealth, they would notice, yes. I think she might try to uh, stealth towards it then, because that that was sort of uh, an out-of-character situation for the Hawthorne house. Yeah. Hasn't normally been dragon roars and flaring lights inside of there. Yeah, so I'm just going to be clear. You can roll stealth. Uh, the consequence will be violence if you fail. Whew. I just want to make sure you're aware and that doesn't take you by surprise because they are actively patrolling and armed. So and view anyone sneaking as a, as a threat. So, uh, you know what? You win some, you lose some. I'm going to, I'm going to go for it because this seems important. I, I, I feel like she, she really want to see what's happening here at this point, especially if the skeletons aren't reacting in any way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not have a good stealth check. So <laughs> let's go three. <gasps> well, um, you have those wild magic things that allows you that wild magic thing allows you to get advantage on this roll on demand. There is there there is a <laughs> a, a wild magic feature. I haven't bothered really using it too much, but I suppose this might be a good time to do it. Couldn't hurt. Do you want to explain how it works? Yeah, it's tides of chaos, which is uh, basically I think this is meant to be the like naturally good benefit to being a wild uh, sorcerer. <laughs> Uh, it's the ability to basically once per, uh, I think it's long rest. It's long rest or wild magic reset. Yeah. So once per one of those conditions, you're able to give yourself advantage on an attack ability uh, check or saving throw. So we'll invoke that now. So you go to take a step and it's right on the most brittle twig. <laughs> and then let's see if the magic saves you. 18. Holy cow. Um, you know how in Devil May Cry, when you jump and then you jump again, and there's like a magical glyph that appears under you to push you up the second time? You basically double jump, is what I'm saying, o- over the world's most brittle twig. There's a little sign next to it. It's like, world record, most brittle twig in existence, and your foot is an inch away from it, and then magic pushes you f- your foot back up, and you don't snap it. If you're following, like, the multiverse of the Dice Funk universe, <laughs> this is the breaking point where there was one branch, or there's one <laughs> path where she just stepped right on that branch, and, like, eight guards immediately were on her, and then it's, we're like, yeah, let's not follow that one, let's go on this one. And you were pincushioned to death on the spot. <laughs> this time you just walk in and you see uh, two skeletons coming through the foyer. They're empty handed now and they're just going back to their patrol. Like they weren't planning on going back to talk to you because they assumed you were done. Oh, rude. <laughs> so they just, they, they delivered the message and their, their job is to guard. Uh, so that you just stand still. They walk past you and uh, now you're in Hawthorne house and there are ghosts, but you're invisible. Uh, I can't remember if it was specified where she saw Alice previously that day. If it was like a 
like a four like a living room or a foyer or you called out to her and she came down to meet you that's right the second floor is magically awarded uh well i guess she'll check the first floor rooms that she can real quick as you start walking around you hear from upstairs like the sound of like smashing wood so like something's going on upstairs yeah she'll go up the stairs and, and call out uh to alice Okay, so you start walking up the stairs, and they are infinite. Uh, you do not have the the sigil, which allows you to access the second floor. But if you call out, uh, you do hear uh, from upstairs activity and running footsteps as Alice and the caretaker, the Frankenstein skeleton thing, come rushing down. Uh, Alice's dragon bone staff is alight with fire. Just flick, it's engulfed in flames, but she's holding it and it's not burning her. And she seems uh, enraged. Uh, Zoe's immediately going to say, It's me, Zoe! I'm invisible, but my hands are up. I'm not here to do anything. I just wanted to make sure everything was okay because I heard a dragon roar. (laughs) (laughs) Persuasion. Ooh, that is something that Zoe is good at. I Because the image is, she was up there, and you don't know this in character, but she was up there just like smashing shit like she just wrecked her desk and chairs and took out a wall or something with the staff and she's running downstairs and she's ready to just incinerate who who's ever there uh she rolled a 16 to persuasion that's pretty good she recognizes her voice but she does so halfway through pointing her staff in the direction it's coming from and so you narrowly avoid having your molecules (laughs) disentangled from each other in a most unpleasant way Definitely sounds unpleasant. Yeah. She says, why are you here? I heard a really loud sound coming from the mansion and then a bunch of lights went off. It was just wanted to check to make sure you were okay. Why would you risk your life coming in here when I just I warned you earlier today? Do you want to die? Do you have a death wish, child? No, I just you might have been in trouble or something. That's. That's very thoughtful. And it's like hard. She's like still visibly like shaken, but it's also like, like, damn, (laughs) what do you say to a kid who is like coming to check at the risk of her own life? Just coming to check if you're okay. Um, so she, the, the fire dims a little, her dragon bone staff is still on fire, but it's not roaring the way it was a moment ago. And she doesn't seem to like be cognizant of the fact it's doing that. She's just like holding this burning wizard staff like that's not it's not a thing. Um, and she says, is it true about the message in Bumbershoot? Yeah. Why? I don't know any of the details. Last I saw Bumbershoot, Warren Light said he needed to talk to him. And then when we came back, he said he was being he'd been dealt with and that he was locked away and we couldn't see him. I kept trying to ask him if anyone could go see him because I know you wanted to, but. He said it wasn't allowed. Tell me everything you know about this angel. And you don't actually have to recite everything. Just are you going to? Yes or no? Yes. She'll give give her legitimately everything she knows. So there's there's a a quiet scene of you talking to her as you explain everything you've heard about Warden Light. And when you finished, Alice nods and says, I'm going to get him back. I don't know all the details about what's happened, but I don't think everything's okay with Warden Light. I don't know, he just kind of gives me a weird vibe sometimes, but I do know that he's really strong. Uh, It might be wise not to 
start something without a plan first. I'm I'm stronger than you may think, Zoe. You might be surprised, and I I would tear that tower down on top of him if I have to. All just to see Bumber shoot? <laughs> I mean, he's kind of a jerk. Everybody makes mistakes. I think he was going to eat me. <laughs> uh and she actually at this point she kind of like doesn't know what to say because obviously she's trying to keep her real motivations hidden at this point mm-hmm. but she kind of looks to the side to avoid your glance and sees that her staff is on fire and it suddenly goes out and she says did i tell you the story behind this staff not not how we got it but how it came to be and why the people we took it from worshipped it no i don't think so it's uh, it's part of the reason that I told you last time you were here, to face your problems head on. It always struck me as funny because the story the villagers told was that they were being menaced by an evil dragon, and so they prayed to the god of good dragons, and he he blessed an, another one of his uh of his flock of good dragons to come and battle the evil one, and uh, the evil dragon killed the good one. And so they fashioned weapons from the dead good dragon, and uh, they were able to repel the evil dragon from the dead carcass of something blessed by a god. It seems like an awfully an awfully cruel thing for a good god to do. In a way, isn't that good, though? The good dragon still got what it wanted in the end. It helped to repel the, the bad dragon, even if it didn't do it itself, but by the acts of others. Do you think that good dragon wanted to die for a god who didn't care enough to just strike the evil one down? That was within its power. Why send someone to die for no reason? I don't really know much about all this doing things for the gods, but if a good person gets to accomplish what they're trying to do, then that should be all they want. And is that why you believe and trust in this angel? Because cause he says he's good? I don't know who to really trust in this city anymore. I can only tell you what I've learned. I can't tell you what's true. No one knows what's true. But what I've learned is good is just a label. And if you have a chance to do something and to make the world better on your terms, you shouldn't wait for someone else. You should do it yourself. That's what I told you. And that's what I'm going to do insight check and what i'm mostly trying to glean here is is zoe able to get the impression from alice's aggression that it is muddled by any kind of like sinister reasoning or anything like that like it's just an honest pure rage that she has like she doesn't need to know the reasoning behind it but that there's not like an ulterior motive or anything like that behind it yeah makes sense 19 to insight damn very good it basically seems like everywhere she has gone for her entire life, she has been persecuted by quote unquote good people, like church people and like literally the clergy of good churches and now an angel. Like at every turn, the people in society who were supposedly the good guys have made her life hell. It's like obviously anybody who imprisons her husband would be on her shit list, but this is like it's a it's a it's a coincidence that is infuriating to her. That she fl- she fled from the religious persecution of good guys, and now a good guy has basically kidnapped her husband from her perspective. So she sees like religious people as hypocrites, and the gods as 
so hands off as to be malicious. Zoe's going to reach up and like kind of like ra- uh, grab on to like one of his, one of uh, Alice's free hand. Uh, not like not like snatch it, but like almost trying to like uh, do it in like a. Uh, I feel like there should be a specific term for it, but just a hand holding kind of gesture. Mm-hmm. And she's going to say, "If there's anything I could do to help, I want to. But if I can ask for anything, give it just a little bit of time, and I think maybe we could find a better way to do this." First of all, when you reach out to take her hand, you startle her a little bit because you're invisible. <laughs> I could not have worn a hat at this point. I like, just <laughs> pop a hat on. This is a floating hat, so you know where to look, look, put your eyes. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do that when you get home. Um, but you startle her a little bit, and she's like, oh, it's a tiny kid's hand. It's nothing to be worried about. That would be more terrifying. It's like that weird <laughs> ghost of Christmas past in the Muppets Christmas Carol movie. It's terrifying <laughs> that it's got little baby hands. <laughs> she says... If you want to help me, find out what his weaknesses are. Okay. Sorry to barge in uninvited again. It's not okay, but I I appreciate it anyway. Uh, one of the skeletons should have your coat, by the way. I don't know which one. I think they were just going to blow me off and make me wait outside forever until I would just leave. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're only under commands to do rounds, do patrols, so... Their vocabulary of active verbs is limited, unfortunately. All right. Well, I'll see you around, Alice. Good night, Zoe. I'm out of 5,000. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So I think that's the end of that night because Theodora rolled a crit on her pajama check. <laughs> that's right. Pajama party all over, all up in this bitch. Yeah. You are the most comfortable you have ever been. Uh, what's what's the pattern on these? Is it like little duckies? What's going on? Hmm, little eyeballs, probably. Oh, so you brought your own gym jams? I thought you just scavenged these from Sylvia's. Oh no! If I'm scavenging them from Sylvia, I feel like they would definitely be covered in duckies. I also like that. I, I was, I'm, there's also a universe in which you snuck in through the window of <laughs> avant-garde headquarters to get your own jam. That's true. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> but whichever one you want, it's your crit. I'm going to go with Ducky Jammies because I like that image personally. Okay. So you awake the next morning in your Ducky Jim Jams and uh, Sylvia is sitting in a chair next to the bed. She has a tray with breakfast on it for her and she's eating and she has another one sitting next to you. Oh my God. And she says, morning, through a mouth of French toast. Holy shit. Is this French toast for me? I'm my French toast and pancakes and sausage and bacon. I love you. <laughs> We're moving a bit fast. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna scarf down all those breakfast noms. You guys, you guys have good breakfast. She brought your breakfast in bed. She also is wearing like a tank top, and it seems as if to show off her new wicked scar, which takes up like her entire shoulder and neck now. And if you still haven't seen what a lightning strike scar looks like i i would i wouldn't say google it because i don't know how rough that's gonna get but i assure you the ones i've seen are pretty cool it's very short Kai of her to do that to be fair yeah absolutely i was i don't know if we're gonna get there naturally but there is an entire monologue about the importance of scars in shadow Kai culture which is some wonderful synergy um but you guys have breakfast is there anything you want to talk about Hmm. We just had two dramatic conversations about Bumbershoot's mysterious past and the plot to kill the angel, and now you're just having French toast, so. I mean, that's, that sounds pretty, like, accurate to me, though. Yeah, it is. 
and be like, hey, hey, Sylvia. That's me. Yeah. So, like, we got these ghost buddies now, right? Yep. But, like, how did you, like, how did you know how to do that? Do you know how to, like, talk to them without bonding to them? Or, like, maybe do you know how to, like, I don't know, get them to do your evil bidding? That's weirdly specific, she says, finishing her breakfast. Um, I mean, I know how to make things more real or unreal from my illusion magic, which is frowned upon in some societies and households. Dad? <laughs> <laughs> she, she, looks, she looks straight to the camera while she says that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's, hmm, it's not really an evil bidding kind of thing. That's like some mind control which is not cool that's a that's no good are you sure it's no good because i feel like it's not it could be worse well i mean the whole thing with the drake was that we weren't a good match and that's why he got mad it's so you have to find a good soul buddy if he doesn't want to be your buddy you can't be buddies oh you got to respect their buddy boundaries true in this episode of sylvia says great (laughs) i mean she is gothy soggy so it'd be perfect for sailor moon says (laughs) <laughs> have we said that on camera i don't know maybe we just said it outside of the show after the first episode where sylvia was introduced lauren said was that supposed to be me Look, <laughs> and- <laughs> it's literally me like literally the only idea i had going into that scene was what if sailor moon was goth <laughs> so that's my i don't know pick one but yeah she 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 says it's her magic is like as explained, it's this illusory reality, which is a real thing from the player's handbook. She just has a, a dangerous and irresponsible amount of it, and it's not really, like, evil. It's just unnatural, perhaps. Okay. Dora's gonna be like, Sylvia, I'm gonna level with you here. I don't know what to do. So, <laughs> I, I, I love me some Ganny. He's my good, good boy. And he wants me to, like... Have the the dead do my do his bidding and stuff, but I'm like, how do you even do that? What? And then zombies are throwing up in my face, and I'm just like, kind of freaking out. I was having a pretty bad day last night too. I guess a pretty bad night is the probably the better way to phrase that. But from my puddle <laughs> where I was, I saw that happen to you. It looked bad. Uh, I don't know if that's my wheelhouse though, and I don't really know what a ganny is. Oh, I I don't know if you've noticed before, but I wear a lot of eyeballs. Yeah, is that like your trademark? It's like your brand. So my I'm I have the magic. I do the magic stuff, and I got it from my really cool god, who is really cool and awesome. And his name is Ganadar, and he's a big eyeball, which is why I'm all eyeball-y. And he gave me my powers, so I have to do what he says because I want to make him happy. It's like a whole thing. Oh. That sounds scary and bad. He took me out of the swamp. It's not so bad. I was all alone on my own. <laughs> and now I have friends. And all I can eat crabs. <laughs> she kind of looks uncomfortable, right? Like I said, she she looks goth to you guys, but for she's a normie in her society. So you're just like, oh, I, mm-hmm. I worship an evil eyeball and it gives me dark powers. Do you know how to make an evil army? That's like a f- messed up thing to say to her over breakfast. <laughs> You know, she's also a wizard, which, you know, respects magic as a certain thing, and so... Right, but I don't think Dora would even... Recognize that. Yeah, yeah. She She's very straightforward. Oh, yeah. 
so she seems like a little weirded out by that. And she says, I don't know if I can necessarily help you with that. Have you considered not doing any of that? <laughs> just not just doing not that. I mean, I haven't really ever considered that. Huh. It's like a whole thing. I, it's, it's hard to explain. Nobody gets me. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. Do you want me to look at your fortune? Maybe see if that'll help? Oh, heck yeah. Let's get some tarot up in this bitch. <laughs> Do you know how it works? Do you know what the, they mean? Nope. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I guess short version. She's saying this as she's like clearing up your dishes and stuff and getting cards out. She says uh, the major arcana of the tarot cards represent a journey and you start off as the fool and then you go through life and you have these all these things happen to you. And then you end up at the world, which is kind of like a, it's hard to explain, but like kind of the fullness of the experience of life. My people believe that everyone has a faded end. Like you don't, she kind of like touches her scar and says like, things hurt, but it's not scary for us in the same way because we're going to die when we're going to die, right? Like everyone's going on their journey and it's nothing to be scared of. You're just going to get there eventually. And along the way, things and people happen to you. And so tarot is just kind of the story of that. So in your journey, there are many people you'll meet and many things you'll go through, which are represented by the cards and you change and the people around you change. And so what the cards mean can change, but I'll help you try to figure out what they mean for you now. So I'm not going to roll for this because I actually do know what Theodora is planning to do with the rest of her day. And Sylvia Bell pulls the lovers for you, Theodora. And she says, uh, that could mean a couple different things. It could mean literally a romantic thing in your future, or it could mean someone who's going to cross your path who is at a love juncture in their life or an intimacy crossroads. And she says, maybe uh, we can learn more about it if we do another one. And she like shuffles them all up again and pulls and it's the lovers again. And she's like, "Uh Oh, and she tries again and it's the lovers again. And she says, Dora. Yeah. What are you you into some complicated triangle stuff? What are you doing? I'd like to be. (laughs) (laughs) Lauren's trying to unlock the, the first polyamory in dice funk history achievement. I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> um, so that's your fortune. The people in your immediate future are the lovers, Arcana. Uh, do you want anything else while we're here? Do I have the cards out? Uh, do another one. For who? The, like now this is Austin speaking. You actually have a lot of power right now to figure out a lot of things if you can interpret it. Because I'll answer honestly. Oh, God, I'm too tired for this. This is too much pressure. <laughs> so who do I want her to do tarot for, like, on? Yeah. I think the rocks. Okay. Uh, so the rocks are, and she starts, she starts, like, you tell her about the rocks, and she's like, okay, okay, and she starts pulling it, and it's just lovers. It's just lover city. It's all it is. It's like, I don't know them, but it seems like they are both that in each other's story and in your story. This <laughs> You have stumbled across a bona fide pickle. Well, heck. Um... Also, that solves the mystery of who that is in your story, by the way. <laughs> we, yeah. reverse, we reverse engineered that one. I mean, she knew. Her eyebrows were wiggling all over the place as soon as the first time it was drawn. <laughs> she was like, uh, yeah. 
Um, do Zoe. Oh, uh, Wheel of Fortune? Yeah. Uh, let's see. <laughs> uh, it looks like Fortune has an important upcoming interaction with the Empress, and she'll have to make a difficult choice. Hmm. I'm going to harass her about that later. <laughs> that seems like a good use of my powers. Thank you, Sylvia. I'm going to go see a couple about stuff. Okay. Thank you for breakfast and the sleepover. We should have another sleepover soon. Yeah, I mean, I'm free. I don't I don't work. <laughs> we can pet each other's bodies. Is that a euphemism? I was going to say, that's uh, pretty euphemistic there. Only time will tell. I feel like getting involved with you might be more complicated than it might have originally looked. You have a lot going on. But I'm fun. Oh. <laughs> so, Lauren, Theodora's going to go right to the rocks? She's not going to go home and see the rest of the crew? No, she's going to go right to the rocks. So, Theodora, you're going to go to the rocks. Meanwhile, at Avant-Garde's HQ, the Trace Amigos have woken up. And how was your guys' morning? What do you guys do? Well... After learning that there's a pretty big technology leap from what I assumed there was, uh, Zoe's <laughs> going to go to her eye mirror and uh, <laughs> open up her visual app, and uh, she's going to see if she's still visible. Okay, so <laughs> I like your jokes. Just to reiterate, though, it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little closer to, like, uh, steampunky than you may have assumed. Also, all that's mostly outside. In here, not a, not a super relevant detail. Um, yeah, you're still invisible. You haven't really figured out what turns on and off your things. For example, you're still seven, <laughs> and that has lasted <laughs> a while. Uh, well, she will put on a hat then. Yeah, so now people can see you coming, at least. Yeah. I'm going to sort of, uh, Veltari's going to wake up and... Grab a bush, put on a little makeup. Slowly peruse over the things that we found in Bombshoot's room uh, the previous night. Um, I don't think she's in any rush to run out and socialize with the others in the morning, but she's going to just sort of look through those notes. Um, Not any kind of serious, detailed look, but just scanning for anything that might catch her eye. All right, so you look through the stuff that you found that's relevant from Bombshoot's room. Uh, Most of it is related to... Uh, Danto, the, the, the stuff that's we're going to zoom in on, is like letters back and forth, like flirty kind of stuff from when one of them would like go away from what they called Fangsylvania. Basically, they, they went in and took over another community and kind of installed themselves as like vampire overlords. And to them, it was just like a fun mm. time. And they like, you know, were basically being casually cruel and feeding on the populace. And to them, it was just like a fun cool thing to do uh <laughs> and they'd be like oh i'm gonna go you know hunt some people and he'd be like all right come back soon i'll you know keep the throne of skulls warm for you <laughs> and they were just being <laughs> being very themselves which is evil um and the the important things you glean from this are that they are close they are important to each other and that they had bigger plans so we talked about in Bumbershoot's backstory basically Fangsylvania was overthrown by a vampire hunter and that they went into hiding. Bumbershoot went into Ilium not knowing he couldn't leave and Danto went underground and now he's in Akamoros. So they didn't split up because they wanted to mm. and they think at some point they were always going to try to reunite and just things went bad. Okay. I think I think that's the only thing I wanted to make sure I got done before uh, 
moving on with moving on with my day. Uh, Winifred made you toast. It has way too much preserves on it. <laughs> what kind of preserves are we talking? What fl- what flavor have I got for breakfast this morning? <laughs> uh, dragon fruit. I don't know if that's a good thing to make preserves out of, but it sounds fantasy to me. I, I don't know. I like the sound of dragon fruit preserves, so um, you know, I'm not going to be outwardly hostile to to uh, <laughs> Winifred. <laughs> How I'll, gracious! I'll, I'll give him a nice thank you, and you know, shut myself back in Bumbershoot's room, or I suppose now my room to uh, mm-hmm. to just quietly sit and eat my toast by myself. All right. Do you want to redecorate in there, or is it just like spooky enough for you? Uh, I like the general theming of how he had the room. The tone was about right for what I wanted. Um, I mainly just sort of scooped his stuff to the sides where needed and just kind of... I haven't really made myself at home in there, but it's it's not dissimilar to how I might have designed it myself. Nice. I think Zoe's gonna, like, see toast with uh, preserves on it. Like That's like the cue <laughs> stomach rumble. Like, I might skip breakfast today. <laughs> Roland will help Zoe with the toast there. I will need to roll Constitution because it's not that much preserves, I don't assume. Well, sh- she's just invisible with the hat. I think she'd see, like, the marmalade on the table and just be like, maybe to, like, t- like throw the hat away for a moment and be like, I was never here for breakfast. Then he's going to eat that anyway because it's on the table and no one else is eating it. And if it sits up for too long, it's going to go bad. And that would just make Winifred feel terrible because it's wasting food. He has so much. <laughs> Here's the thing. There's only two other lawful good creatures in this entire town outside of Roland. <laughs> One, at least half the party, is in plans to kill. <laughs> and the other one has way too many preserves. Okay. He sees you eat the preserves, Roland, and he's like, oh, you like it too? I'll make more. <laughs> uh, I will say that Zoe's going to eventually uh, go downstairs and see Roland and say, uh, hey, Roland. Yes, Zoe? So, do you have some free time this morning? We don't have an assignment. Normally, at this time, I would be indulging myself in a rousing bout of reading and writing, but sure, I'm free this morning. Oh, I mean, I don't want to pull you away from something that's, you know, nonstop thrills a minute like that, but uh, I was wondering if maybe we could play a couple games of Dragon Chess. Roland, like, looks straight to the camera for a moment. <laughs> you, you, you become an office character. There's got to be something to this. She would never ask me to play dragon chess like this, unless there's an ulterior motive. Still, it is dragon chess. That goes back to him at the table. <laughs> sure. Sure, we can play a few matches. Uh, let's, as- let's assume putting on new clothes are visible, and your old clothes just got hit with the invisibility wave. So your hat, your hat is visible. Nothing else is. Uh, then, uh, yeah, if they have a pair of gloves, I I guess Dora may have a pair of gloves that would fit Zoe. I don't know if there are, like, child-sized gloves anywhere in the house. Yeah, I mean, you go get gloves from Dora's room, and they're full of crabs, and that's a whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Smooches glares at you from his bed. (laughs) He glares at a floating hat from his bed, okay? (laughs) Let's be honest, what he's doing here. He's like, what that hat do? Oh, wait, hold on, wait. Could, instead of using gloves, could she summon uh, Fat Boy Slim and, like, use his hands like like gloves for herself so she's got, like, rust monster claws? Of course. Sweet. <sighs> I'm glad these pieces are made out of marble and not steel. 
Yeah, for the record, for the record, your hands are no longer corrosive, but you can corrode at will, so it's not really that big of a change. <laughs> uh, so it's this is a small unfortunate thing that her invisibility prevents, but like Zoe's going like super serious right now. Normally, this is like a, she has to have been dragged here, but like now she's doing like the I'm serious. I'm gonna like tie my hair back into a ponytail, and I'm gonna I'm gonna like be like staring intently at the board, like analyzing moves that no one's that haven't even been played yet, kind of thing. She's 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 taking this definitely uh differently than usual. Maybe we can roll just to see like what the results are because we never know. I rolled a zero. <laughs> I crit and have a negative one advantage. <laughs> do you accidentally eat the board? How do you crit fail? <laughs> she's like, hold on, wait. Where's the dice? <laughs> I distinctly remember dice last time. No, this actually kind of works because uh, one thing that you'll notice is that previously when you played Zoe, she was always um, favored a very blunt and aggressive style that was just like, um, I don't know what the equivalent is in chess, but I assume probably like uh, people who tend to favor like rooks and queens, just like the characters who just move in a direct way. There's there's gambits where you basically play like an aggressive front initially, and then you kind of work with the strategy afterwards. You know, try to take out a piece or two to give yourself an advantage. So I can. So she's doing a different strategy this time. Zoe was that, except without the strategy afterwards part. She was like, if I just have all the rooks crush all your pieces, I win. Uh, this time she's deliberately playing a style completely contrary to that. Like it's very slow when you aren't, like it's not the same kind of obvious plays from before. And that's probably a good reason for why she failed so miserably in that battle. Uh, is that it was clearly a uh, style she's not accustomed to. Is there a reason why you're not playing the same way you did before? You were getting better, you know. I thought I'd try something different. Set the pieces, old man. I want to rematch. Is there a reason why you wanted to play this right now? I'm still trying to figure out what your what your game is here. 22. 15. <laughs> Ooh, that's actually a notably better matchup, though. <laughs> I... Just wanted to try something out. It's been on my mind recently. I doubt Dragon Chess has been on your mind recently. In a way. <laughs> dragons and chess have been on my mind recently. 16. And then just sort of like gives Zoe like a stare as if he's like looking her dead in the eyes. Even if he can't see her, it's like, you can be a bit more forthcoming, you know. Say, hypothetically, you could make a move that's really risky. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work out, and everyone figures out what you're trying to do, you're pretty much guaranteed to lose. But if it works out, you may have just won the whole game. Mm -hmm. Do you think someone should take that? Well, it, if the stakes are high enough and you can't win by any other means, sometimes it can be worth to make a move like that. The problem is, depending on how you set up your gambit, you're at risk of exposing yourself too much. Like right over here, as Roland sort of captures a piece. Hmm. That opening is a bit too exposed, given the mobility of the other pieces on the board there. You also have to be aware that in order to do so, you need to know all the rules of the game you're operating with, or else you run risk of making a decision with a lack of information, which is almost always a losing move. I have some stories about different battles that have been fought in the various wars that here involved himself in if you wanted to i could point out a few examples from that but what does that have to do with dragons 
dragon chess just seemed like a good way to kind of think it through. I mean, I'm not talking about dragon chess. I'm talking about dragons in general. Did I say dragons? Forget about that. No, I didn't. I've been here for over a year now, trying to find a way to get rid of this barrier. Anyone who's in this town, whether intentional or otherwise, is, as far as I can tell, trapped in a prison worse than any other conceived. Especially now that it's revealed that you can't even escape here in death. So, if you have, if you are trying to think of a way to remove the barrier that's enclosing this town, I assure you that my pl- that my goals are aligned with yours. That's good. Then it means that we can be allies going forward and everything. There's not many people in town that are allies of mine. As you can tell, I'm not a very popular individual here. If it helps, I made it rain for like three days or whatever, so, you know, I don't think I'm going to be too popular here either. Pretty sure once the ground dries, no one's going to really care about it. Besides, it's been a while since anyone saw any sort of weather around here. The change was actually appreciated. Did anyone ever, like, get, like, a an address back from, uh, I believe it was Lyra, the fire giant? I know last time we just, like, kind of froze her in place and left her as it was. <laughs> um. So this is the morning after that that happened right so we have actually we haven't actually resolved all of that i think uh for timing reasons next episode we'll deal with everyone leveling up mm-hmm. and some of the fallout uh from the last mission so you guys actually don't know what lyra is doing you don't know actually if the rain has stopped you don't know a lot of things and we'll have to figure that out mm-hmm. we mostly just uh did character work and foreshadowing this week which i hope mm-hmm. people enjoyed but uh there's a lot of questions still Zoe has not only the choice about whether or not to help Alice kill Light, she has the choice of whether or not to let Roland in on the plan, and she has a choice coming up, which she doesn't know about, but Theodora figured out, or Theodora has heard about <laughs> from Sylvia's tarot. So there's a lot of stuff about going on with Zoe right now. <laughs> a lot of crossroads. Oh, also she has a deal from her jealousy clone. <laughs> 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 yeah, she's got a lot of things she needs to <laughs> start putting decisions on. Also, you're invisible. Yeah, Dale. She's going to say, um, I don't know everything that's going to happen yet, but I just have some ideas. All I ask is that you trust me in the meantime and know that I'm not doing anything that I, I think is going to intentionally hurt anyone else around us. I'm doing it for the good of everyone and to help try to fix this town. I appreciate that thought and I appreciate that sentiment, but my prior words still stand. After what I've been through, I have to be more cautious about plans to take on, and I prefer to be in on the plans as much as I can. The last time someone left me out of a plan that was in action, even if it was for the stated good of everyone involved, I ended up getting severely burned while rescuing innocents. I ended up getting flogged for five days straight and separated from everyone that cared about me and I cared about and I'm forbidden from seeing them for the rest of my life. Wow, uh, that's a lot to take in. But um, I think the thing is, is that there aren't really any innocents at stake. The only one who might lose out on the end of this is myself, and that's a, a consequence I think I'm willing to live with. We could talk about this some other time. For now, let's just do one more match to end this for now, just to see if you're getting any better at this. I rolled 20. Let's see what Zoe gets. I literally can't beat you. <laughs> 15. 15. Roland just sort of nods a bit. It's like, plane's getting better. I'll say this about you, Zoe. You have an ability that 
many people wish they had, and that is to have a connection, even a reckless and hard-to-control one, with the fabric of fate itself. Many people expect when they do an action that the same result happens every time. You can cast the same spell three times, and wildly different effects can occur. And ever since I've met you, I've been pondering, is there a way for you to harness that and use it as a tool, as opposed to carry it as a burden? And I think there is there's a solution to that, and I think there's a way we can figure it out. Maybe. Uh, I guess it would be stupid not to try. But maybe there might be just a different way that you approach this whole thing that turns what seems like a grave liability and disadvantage into an asset and an advantage. I think I get what you're saying. Also a checkmate. Son of a bitch! You hear Winifred from downstairs say, Language in the house! <laughs> it wasn't me! It was, uh, Veltari! <laughs> okay. What the hell did I do? <laughs> okay, so I think the, the last scene of this episode is a quick shot of what everyone's doing. Theodore walking across the field to go meet the rocks. Veltari, I guess, in bed reading someone else's private correspondence. Zoe and Roland playing chess. And then it goes to the kitchen where Winifred is putting a new jar of <laughs> preserves away and he sees the one with the bloody ice frozen inside of it. And he reaches out a tentacle curiously and touches it. And he is normally a kind of like bluish color and he immediately goes blood red. So as he becomes attuned to the psychic energy of whatever is frozen in that ice... Uh, he sees a series of images, almost like memories. Mm. He sees water all around him, above him. He can see the sun on the other side, and he sees a hand reaching up, and it's his hand, and it's small, and it's trying to reach up to the surface, but it can't. And he sees in the water there's blood, and he sees a rock on the bottom of this this body of water where he's hit his head, and things are going black and he's struggling against the blackness that's consuming him in this memory. And as he reaches up, trying to get to the surface that he knows he won't reach, he sees a face. And in this memory, Winifred sees the face of Theodora looking down through the water, smiling as whoever had this memory is consumed by darkness and drowns on the bottom of this river. Oops. You fucked up there. Oops. As always, I'd like to thank Overclock Remix for our theme music, including Acoustic Jam at the Lucifer Alpha, an arrangement of Biohazard from Snatcher, Simply Begrooved, an arrangement of Simple and Clean from Kingdom Hearts, 
and Mystic Chemicals, an arrangement of Mystic Cave and Chemical Plant Zone from Sonic the Hedgehog. Executive producers for June 2017 are Jade, Kerstine Haslinger, Extellaris, Joseph Timbrello, The Cult of Gorfinax, Irving Royale, Andrew Grothen, Paul Mullen, Finch DeYoung, Luke Powers, Michael Goodell, Brent, Sarah Likens, Pruitt Holcomb, Artemis BJJ, Francois V, Tarka, Melissa Nielsen, Shyness, Dennis Pancake Detlefson, Ripter Stormwolf, Miko from Finland, Dennis Bengston, Josh Mosier, Endigo Van Dane, James Bevan, Ellison Ansel, Sidney Marzing, Just a Jester, John Potts, Kevin Dobbins, Savard and Akrasimova, Carl, Brady Warner, Kitty Foe, James Neely, Eugene T, Marissa Donaldson, Melanie Joe, Lana Seawolf, Toby Gleason Stack, Ruby Offer, Matthew Weber, Sarah Hanley, Melissa Booker, Cameron Abbas, Dylan, Gary Sayon, Anna Stuhlfarer, Sean the Host of Funk Dunk, Giorgio Renna, Harrison Andrew, Kevin Sidlow, Christopher Charlo, Jorit, Viger Arnston, Cody Jackson, August Rue, Athos, and Ingmar Gremen. You can join this list by supporting the show at patreon.com slash austinyorski, and you can support Chris and his artistic endeavors at patreon.com slash recap, and you can find Laura at patreon.com slash laurakbuzz. You can also help support the show by liking, commenting, and subscribing to us on Google Play, iTunes, YouTube, or Podbean, or anywhere else you found us. Are you pirating us right now? Are we on the deep web? If you're a cop, you have to tell me.